You're listening to Wings All Access right here on NLL.com. And now, Wings play-by-play man, Dave Walls. We welcome you to another episode of Wings All Access here on NLL Radio. Big thank you to those of you who subscribe on iTunes, and a special hello to those of you listening on Stitcher Radio. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Walls, play-by-play man for the Philadelphia Wings. John Barchard not with me today, but fear not for those of you who enjoy watching me suffer through the picks this season. John will be by a little bit later. I'll have his picks, and uh, he'll hope. hopefully things will even out here a little bit, but I have figured out a way to... Even the score, we will talk about that in the fix. Also had a chance to sit down with Wings assistant coach Chris Collins, and we got the chance to talk about everything that happened in the preseason, what it's been like for him to work with this coaching staff, and, and helping to spread the game of lacrosse in the city of Philadelphia. A great conversation with Coach Chris Collins, and we'll talk to him in just a few minutes. Before we do that, Wings had a bye week last week, so we took a dark week as well. But before that, the Wings had a home-and-home home series against the Minnesota Swarm that had a little bit of everything you, you really could have wanted. You had a big blowout win. You had some high-powered offense, a good fight in there. And, of course, it wouldn't be the Wings without a little bit of controversy. Let's get into it in this week's score sheets. It's time for the score sheet. The Philadelphia Wings hosting game one of this home and home on Saturday the 18th against the Swarm. It was an early afternoon, 12 noon start time, and Philadelphia, the expected matchup was going to be Evan Kirk and Nett versus Tyler Carlson and Nett. The two former teammates now going head-to-head, battling it out on the turf to see who's the better goaltender. Didn't really turn out that way as Tyler Carlson last three minutes and three seconds of this game. And I don't think anybody really could have expected that uh, to happen coming into the weekend. Let's start off, though. Philadelphia gets hot right away. Kyle Buchanan starts it off at 127. Philadelphia has the ball near side with Buchanan. Buchanan with Crowley in the slot. Buchanan holds now, works inside. He shoots and scores! Off of the nice feed from Kevin Crowley and Kyle Sweeney, making it 1-0. And then 43 seconds apart, it's Jordan Hall. Jordan Hall out there along with Brett Manny staying out on the offensive side. Here's another shot and a score! Jordan Hall finds himself seated on the crease. A beautiful pass finds him there. And then Garrett Thule getting his notch in there at 3.03. Fresh 30 for Philly. Kevin Crowley with the ball, working one-on-one. Now goes far side. Back up top to Thule. He's big, powerful shot and a score! Garrett Thule muscles his way in, shoots it in low side, and Carlson's coming to the bench as it's a 3 to nothing lead. And that makes it a 3 nothing Philadelphia game, and this team has started off hot, and right after the Garrett Thule goal, almost immediately as it goes in, Joe Sullivan, head coach of the Minnesota Swarm, does not waste any time, gets the hook, Pulls Carlson, I think to the surprise of many. Carlson did not see the ball very well, and they try to stop the bleeding with the young goaltender, Zach Higgins. Higgins is a a tender coming into the game who really just hasn't gotten much of an opportunity in the NLL, did not have an NLL win on his stat sheet yet and he's uh coming he was coming in as the backup basically replacing evan kirk's spot in the lineup so higgins comes in and does an amazing job for minnesota where carlson wasn't able to see the ball during the game higgins does exactly that he's able to see the ball very well despite philadelphia getting a, a quite a few good opportunities the remainder of the first quarter shane jackson at least gets one for minnesota at 343 so the first quarter ends with a Philadelphia lead at 3-1. to one. But as all Wings fans know, yeah, the second quarter has not been the friend of the Philadelphia Wings. With the exception of that opener against Buffalo, second quarter we've seen a couple collapses already. And we I wouldn't call this a collapse. I'm, I'll talk about that, my opinion on that in a minute. But Minnesota goes 6-1. and one. They get six goals in this second quarter. It starts off with Josh Gillum at 54 seconds on the power play followed by Jordan McIntosh at 148, and then uh, with 20 seconds apart from each other at 914 and 934. It's the number one draft pick, Logan Schuss, followed by McIntosh getting his second, and we go from a 3-1 Philly lead to a 5-3 Minnesota lead. Now, Jordan Hall is able to stop the bleeding a little bit at 959 and makes it 5-4 off the nice feed from Brody Merrill and Kyle Buchanan. 
However, the real backbreakers in this quarter, I think, come at 11.01 when Callum Crawford gets the shorty and makes it 6-4. Then uh, Kyle Matisse, the moose, gets back in there at 13.39. You go into the half 7-4. So again, Minnesota uh, has a 6-1 scoring streak here in the second. And after the game, I was really surprised to read about fans going, ah, here we go. It's another second quarter collapse. But, you know, the second quarter... Yeah, was it pretty for Philadelphia? No, certainly not. Minnesota uh, controlled offensive play and had the better scoring opportunities, and uh, give them credit. They were able to put the ball in the net six times. But what I've seen of Evan Kirk this season, we had mentioned in a previous episode how I felt that Evan Kirk, where he was in the beginning of the season, is, say, where I saw Brandon Miller a few years ago, where Brandon Miller, of course, an outstanding goaltender, but he had a few issues that needed to be worked out, and once he worked those out, and he did, he became, I believe, an elite goaltender in the league. And we've seen Evan Kirk, everybody knows in the beginning of the season, teams were focusing in on bounce shots and shots through traffic where he could not see him through the screen. Here, Minnesota tested him very early on these bounce shots and on some of these screenshots, and I think Kirk rose to the challenge in this game. In fact, all weekend long, I think Evan Kirk stood on his head and did a great job. Just give Minnesota credit. They did a better job of getting more quality scoring chances in the second. So I was surprised to read online fans' reaction of uh, criticism of Evan Kirk. And you know, and to those of you who are even going on Twitter telling him to secure up his five-hole, you know what? The, the guy did secure up his five-hole. You need to rewatch the game film, bud. That's all I got to say about that. So... Uh, Second quarter collapse, no, I wouldn't call it that. I would just say Minnesota outplayed Philadelphia in the second, and you go into the half 7-4. But even then, last thing I'll say about this, in the previous games, you know, you had a second quarter collapse that would lead to 9-3 or 10-3 deficits from Rochester. Buffalo goes up by six or seven goals. This wasn't the case. You go in the half, you're only down by three goals, and I'm sorry, if you're an NLL fan and you don't expect those swings in momentum one way or another... I don't know what game you've been watching the last year or two because certainly with the the pace of play being kicked up with more delay of game calls being called if you don't drop the ball right away, reducing the time to eight seconds of getting it across the uh, the center field line, it, those plays alone have increased the speed of this game so much where you're going to get fast scoring runs. You're, it's not uncommon to see four goals in a row, five goals in a row. If you don't expect that, if you don't prepare for that, then I, I, I don't know where you've been, but you've got to be able to roll with the punches and know if you're down, but your team has the capability of coming back and getting a run of their own. And that's exactly what Philadelphia did moving into the third quarter as Tracy Kaluski. Kaluski has been just having one heck of a 2014 campaign. He gets two in the quarter, starts it off at 636. Good speed over to Kaluski. He shoots and scores and then closes it out at 1247. That one on the power play. Uh, sprinkled in the middle there is Jordan Hall and Josh Gillum from Minnesota on the power play. So we go into the fourth, and it is an 8-7 Minnesota game. A one-goal game, and I liked Philadelphia's attitude because they were really rolling. When Koleski gets that second one, I felt like Philadelphia had some momentum. Logan Schuss guys, is really developing into an, a powerhouse. The number, overall number one draft pick for Minnesota gets another goal here at 18 seconds. Minnesota will end up getting about 40 seconds or so of power play time. Here's a shot at a score. Even strength goal for Minnesota as it's Logan Schuss. And it was a sneaky play because with Schuss, it looked like he was just going to dump the ball in the corner and then he just turns it on corks a cannon and there's nothing Evan Kirk can do about that. So it's 9-7 Minnesota. Now here come the Wings. Ryan Ward with a great goal at 5-28. Quick break deck the other way for the Wings. Brody Merrill, the long pass up the hit. Here's a shot and score! Philadelphia scores and will get a penalty on top of that for the extra shove, but it's now a 9-8 game. As Ward scores, Brock Sorensen, the former first-round draft pick from 2012, actually cross-checks him into the boards, and so a, the goal counts. Then Sorensen goes off for a two-minute power play. Philadelphia doesn't convert, but just as Sorensen is coming out of the box, Full has the ball, goes in back of the net, and scores! Garrett Full showing some nifty footwork, goes in back of the net with the wraparound into the upper corner. Regulation goal, but it doesn't matter. It's a 9-9 to game. One of the best goals you'll see from Garrett Thule, the wraparound. He tucks it into the upper corner of the net with great extension. And at 7.42, it is a 9-9 to game, and this crowd is fired up. 
And now we talk about the controversy. As a play continues, we get closer to about five minutes left to go in the fourth. Minnesota brings the ball down. And to sum it up, in front of the crease, there's a shot. Save made by Kirk. Gets a piece of the post as well. And now Kirk goes to throw it. Here's a shot and a score. The Minnesota player hit Kirk's stick and knocked the ball out, but the referee says play on, and Minnesota capitalizes with 5-17. It's a 10-9 game. Andrew Suter ends up getting credit for the goal at 9-43, and that makes it a 10-9 game. And as you obviously heard from the call there, there was a lot of controversy because clearly in the NLL rulebook, you cannot check a goaltender's stick if he has two feet in the crease the goal the referee was standing on the goal line looked down the line and determined that he thought evan kirk had only one foot in the crease but as long as his other foot is touching the line he's considered in the crease in fact it was clearly halfway on the line so a missed opportunity by the referee and it should have been a no goal and jackson should have gone to the box for a two-minute penalty the nll would later admit during the week uh, early in the week last week that it was indeed a missed call but unfortunately penalties are not reviewable so unfortunately one goes against philadelphia here in fact coach blaine harrison even throws the challenge flag out hoping there's something reviewable there unfortunately there wasn't so it goes 10-9 and you can even though again a one goal game with five minutes left philadelphia had all the momentum and it was such a deflating play when kyle matisse scores on the power play at 1206 from crawford and gillum to make it 11-9 you can almost hear the fans going, yep, that's what we thought was going to happen. And it, even though Jordan Hall gets the empty netter here at 1351 to make it an 11-10 final, it was a backbreaker to Wings fans. And it was a backbreaker to this team who uh, at the time fell to 1-3 on the weekend. Minnesota in one game gets 11 goals. That equals their goal total from their first two games combined. Evan Kirk on the day. It was. I thought, again, it was a good day. It wasn't his best day, but still 42 saves in the losing effort. Zach Higgins gets a player of the game, gets the MVP award. He comes in stopping 29 of the 36 shots he saw. And really, Philadelphia was unable to get any softies in there on him. Jordan McIntosh goes 72% from the faceoff circle. Again, it was all around kind of an off day for Philadelphia, uh, despite Kirk's great performance. But it was everybody's, I think, still felt like it was a winnable game. I remember going down to the post-game press conference afterwards. Uh, head coach Blaine, uh, Blaine Harrison was not exactly in the most talkative mood. And you know what? It wasn't. It was certainly a bitter, a bitter pill to swallow. But one of the things I really loved hearing about was Brody Merrill came down to talk uh, with us for a while and also Tracy Kaluski. And Brody Merrill said, you know, we had plays that we could have fixed here and there. We had plenty of opportunities to take this game. And so that play wouldn't matter. He said, but you know what? We all feel like this is a game we should have had. And with all the mistakes we made to only lose this one by one, they still felt very good about their opportunities moving out to Minnesota. And at that point, you had to like the attitude that these players were exuding. Like, you know what? We just had one go against us. We blew opportunities, but they still felt like they outplayed Minnesota. And now with the bad call sitting on their shoulders, I felt like Philadelphia came in with an extra chip on their shoulder, which I think they needed. And oh boy, did they ever. So as we go the next day out for game two of this home and home out to the Excel Energy Center, packed house over at the Hive, uh, expecting to see their swarm try to go for the weekend sweep. And let's just say this, Philadelphia was not having any of it. I mentioned just a second ago that they felt like they had a chip on their shoulder and they played with some extra swagger getting out there and getting very physical. And we saw it from the opening get-go. It's one of those few games, uh, but maybe the Buffalo game early in the season is one, but even more so in this one, I felt like this was a game where Philadelphia was determined to make a statement. They stepped on Minnesota early and often and didn't allow them a chance to get in this game. Garrett Thule starts it off at 2-0-3, making it a 1-0 score. Andrew Suter, the captain, he had a good offensive weekend. He gets one here and makes it a 1-1 game off the feet for Mike Hobbins at 5-17. But from here on out, Philadelphia is having none of it. They wrap it up with three straight goals from Pat Saunders, who was on the roster because of a Kevin Ross injury. That makes it 2-1. to one. Kyle Buchanan at 9.42. And then Kevin Crowley. Quickly back the other way. Wings 2-on-1. Behind the back, he scores. Oh, beautiful shot. And Carlson just wasn't expecting that one at all. It's 4-1 Philadelphia. With a beautiful goal. at four, It makes it 4-1. to one at the end of one penalties are even at that point one and one but moving into the second 
Here comes Philadelphia now. Again, they outscored Minnesota 4-1 to in the first, and they're going to outscore them again here in the second, 4-3. to As you go, uh, again, Callum Crawford, Tracy Koluski, they trade goals nine seconds apart from each other, making it a 5-2 to game. And the second goal of the game coming up for Andrew Suter at 4-32. That makes it 5-3. to But now here come the Wings in a... And I think this is where the game really started to turn. Philly has a two-goal lead at this point. Minnesota ends up shooting themselves in the foot here in a big way. Uh, Jeff Gilbert for Minnesota goes off for a checking from behind call. Uh, that's a two-minute minor at 640. And then 27 seconds later, we have a five-minute major assessed to Tyler Haas uh, for an illegal cross-check. So Haas is in for the major. Gilbert is in for the minor. And now... There have been rule changes in the NLL uh, from last season to this season regarding major penalties. That being, initially, you could have up to three goals before the major penalty is released from the penalty box. Now you can only get two. But with the minor penalty still in the box, now you can score three goals. You can have one, and then the minor penalty is released, and then you can score two more, and then the major penalty would be released. And that's exactly what Philadelphia does. Faking... And it's Pat Saunders scoring the power play goal. So Gilbert will be released. Hall faking and scores. Carlson ended up off balance. And Hall finds the far side. It's 7-3 Philadelphia. There's one of the two goals that would be allowed on the major penalty to Tyler Haas. Three-on-one opportunity here right now. Merrill gets it across. They score. Right after Haas goes in the box, it's a power play goal. The second goal of the day from Pat Saunders from Buchanan and Ward makes it 6-3. And then after that is released, and now we're back to five-on-four action. It's Jordan Hall and Tracy Koleski both on the power play. And just like that, it's a three-goal swing. The Wings are up 8-3. Logan Shuss scores just before halftime. He makes it an 8-4 game. Uh, the story, though, of the second quarter, in addition to that, we had mentioned Andrew Suter, and Suter had a very above-average weekend as far as his offensive output, but we saw Suter trying to do what Andrew Suter does, and, I mean, that's his role. He, his role is to be the agitator. His role is to be the physical presence, and when his team is down, it's his job to get into someone's face, drop some gloves, and there you go. Unfortunately, he chose the wrong person to do it in Brody Merrill. And Suter, he's had enough. He wants to go after Merrill. Oh, this is a heavyweight bout. Merrill trying to throw the first one in there. Suter trying to get free. Giving up a little size here to Brody Merrill. So Brody and Andrew Suter, the uh, two Orangeville, Ontario natives, they go toe-to-toe, and I would give the uh, unanimous decision to Brody Merrill. Not a TKO, but it was a very clear decision to Brody as Suter's uh, nose was a little bit busted up, and he had to go off into the locker room as well. Brody Merrill excuse me, ended up getting a minor penalty as well due to the fact that there was already going to be a penalty called on him, and then the two fighting majors happened for Brody and Andrew Suter. So we go in uh, to the half, 8-4. to four. And the Minnesota crowd is just dead. I mean, there is no energy in that building because, again, Philadelphia, something they did very, very well in this game, They once at the, from this point on, Philadelphia established a lead. And e- even though there would be times where Minnesota would get their run, Philadelphia never let them get too close to get, getting back in the game, meaning uh, we move into the third, for instance. Logan Shuss scores on that power play, making it an 8-5 to five game. So they go, okay, Minnesota was only back by three. But boom, here come the wings again. Koluski on the power play. Jordan Hall again. Another fantastic weekend for Jordan. And that point makes it 10-5. to five. So every time Minnesota would get one, it seemed like Philly would get two. If Minnesota got two, Philly would get three. And Philly just... Every time you felt Minnesota barking at their heels, it's almost like they went, no, no, just get back. No, no, this is our game. We got this. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did here. So after Jordan Hall scores, that is, it's a 10-5 to game. Callum Crawford would uh, get one at 13-26, making it a 10-6 to game. Uh, nothing much penalty-wise to talk about, so you move into the fourth quarter. And this is where Philly really ices it down. Jordan Hall gets two more goals, numbers three and four, at 3.03 and 7.45. In between, there's a Jordan McIntosh goal for Minnesota. And then it's 12-7. And then finally, Philadelphia finally ices this thing down with power play goal by Kyle Buchanan. Ryan Ward's in there. And then Kevin Crowley makes it 15-7. And at this point, people are going, gee, where, honey, where'd you park the car? And they're headed to the exits. Uh, even though Kyle Matisse gets one in junk time, it's a 15-8 final. And this one, folks, not even close as Philadelphia just steps on Minnesota and is able to get their record back up to two and three. And this game also 
Philadelphia had the offense, but they also had the defense to back it up. Evan Kirk, an amazing job in net. Minnesota, don't be fooled by the final score. Minnesota had several very good opportunities here, and Evan Kirk stood strong, making 35 saves in the win for Philadelphia. Also get Philadelphia's defense. We saw some bodies really flying, especially in the first half when Minnesota was still keeping it close. We saw some huge checks in this game, and Philadelphia's defense as a whole really stepped it up. In the faceoff circle, also got to give a big shout-out to C.J. Costabile. Uh, C.J. going 11 for 15 from the circle for 58%. So after uh, Jordan McIntosh, the transition player of the year, takes it to him in Philadelphia, Costabile comes to the hive and repays McIntosh in taking the faceoff battle for the day. And again, it was another game for Minnesota where Tyler Carlson, again, he only lasts uh, midway through the second. He gets pulled uh, after 23 minutes of action and only making 10 saves. Uh, so again, we were expecting Kirk versus Carlson. I think we might have gotten our answer on the weekend. Of course, it's it's still January. We've got a long season still left to go, but Higgins comes in again as does a decent job. He ends up taking the loss, however, as the Wings were able to really start running him over in the second half. Uh, Higgins makes 27 saves, letting an eight and taking the loss for the Swarm. So your final score in that one, 15 to eight. Again, Philadelphia moves up to two and three, and we'll look down the division here in just a few minutes. But fans, had a chance to uh, fire up the old Wings All-Access Hotline and speak with Wings assistant coach Chris Collins and had a great opportunity to really get inside his head. If you're a Wings fan, you follow on Twitter, and I know you're out there. You can follow him at Chris underscore Collins 33. Uh, Chris is very active on there, and he's been a great ambassador for the Wings as far as getting out in the community, helping to spread the game of lacrosse, and helping getting the Wings name out there you can see him, of course, uh, a lot of times on TV when reporters come to do stories about the Wings. Or, uh, In fact, we got to see him uh, teach uh, QDZ over at Fox 29 how to be a, a lacrosse goaltender, and that was Chris showing him how, how to do all the moves. And it really had a chance to sit down and just get to know the new Wings assistant coach, Chris Collins. Hello. It's a Wings All Access exclusive. And as we flip on the Wings All Access Hotline, we talk to uh, Wings Assistant Coach Chris Collins. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here on Wings All Access. Not a problem, Dave. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me here. I just uh, love everything that you guys are doing for the game here in Philly and for the league, and you know, I couldn't be happier to uh, to represent the Wings and in any capacity possible. So here we are. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate your kind words. Let's talk about you for a little bit and your journey to where you are now. Uh, Chris joined the Wings uh, coaching staff in the off season. And that's coming after a playing career that saw him with tours in MLL with uh, the Bayhawks and other teams. And then here in the NLL, Chris uh, was, of course, with the Wings for several years and also uh, was under coach Blaine Harrison at the Titans franchise. Uh, Chris, I was also a graduate of the University of Delaware, like myself, as a former Blue Hen, cluck, cluck. And uh, Chris, must feel pretty good to... Uh, now be an assistant coach so close to where you started your collegiate career. Just talk for a little bit about your path on how you got here so far and what it's like to be an assistant coach here with the Philadelphia Wings. Uh, you know, from I've been lucky enough to uh, have the opportunity to be a part of the pro game for nine years now, uh, you know, both playing inside and outside. The uh, the indoor game, I tell you, it's uh, it's something that, that's allowed me to still play pro lacrosse for a while now. And and to be uh and to be on the coaching side of it as well, you know, for the Philadelphia Wings, you know, one of the one of the most storied organizations in pro lacrosse. Um, you know, it's an honor. And you know, I think uh I think the coaching route is uh something that I really enjoy. Leaving a lot of pressure being in the pipes and being behind the bench too. So two roles that I think I uh I have a good handle on. You know, really looking forward to uh to a long coaching career as well. Well, that's great. Now, Chris, you've talked about the Wings being one of the biggest names, the biggest storied franchise in the indoor game. Now, we've seen you do a lot of work for the Wings in the community. You know, we've seen you on TV as part of promotions or when newscasts want to stop by and do a story on the Wings, you're always out there and you're just generally out and about in the community promoting the Wings and promoting lacrosse as a whole. Tell me about the feel you get from not only the lacrosse community, but Philadelphia as a whole and how you think the Wings are viewed in this city. Well, I gotta tell you, Dave, you know, the, the game of lacrosse provides so many avenues for players and coaches alike to really give back. And I can tell you, growing up in Yorktown, New York, you know, having all the high school and college and pro guys from our area coming back and working youth camps and, and doing appearances, I gotta tell you, the game of lacrosse is like no other, where they have that contact with the players and the coaches and, you know, being a part of the growth of, you know, the youth of lacrosse and pro lacrosse and, 
really for me, hitting it on all angles, uh, I couldn't be happier. The great part about you know, lacrosse here in Philly, uh, you know, talk about all the great universities and high schools they have here. You know, the Philadelphia Wings are right there at the top. You know, you walk down the street, you know, people know the Philadelphia Wings, and you know, they love to get a chance to meet you. And I think that's for all these appearances that are awesome for us, the exposure for the league, the exposure for the team, but really to connect with our fan base, which is one of the most wild bunches in pro lacrosse, uh, and to be in pro sports in general, to have that opportunity to connect with the fans uh, is pretty special. And uh, and it's it's wild how many people know who the Wings are, and they know your schedule. They know Friday and Saturday nights get pretty rowdy down at Wells Fargo, so it's it's pretty cool. That's awesome to hear, Chris. And uh, I really appreciate everything that the Wings do to help grow the game of lacrosse in Philadelphia. You know, even as a kid myself, you know, growing up, I had wanted to play lacrosse, but the opportunities that the kids have today just weren't there, and a lot of those opportunities were created because of the work that Philadelphia has done. So thank you so much for everything you guys continue to do. Chris, let's talk about this season a little bit. And I don't know that in all the years of me covering the league, whether as a fan or now as you know working behind the scenes, that I've seen an offseason as crazy as it was. Coming into training camp, there were two big things. One, the roster sizes got reduced from 23 down to 20. And then secondly, with the Philadelphia Wings, there were so many players who didn't come back from last year's team. So I got to just ask you, did you guys have any idea what this season might produce? Or was it just one of those things where you showed up and you go, guys, I don't know what's going to go on here. Well, and I got to tell you, you know, what, what pro sports offers is, you know, year to year, truly anything can happen. And I think that's one of the one of the blessings in the sky that, you know, you can rebound from a team that, you know, necessarily doesn't win the playoffs or doesn't have a great year and you get the right group of guys together and you can get a good crack at a championship. And and I gotta tell you, walking into camp this year, you know, not sure not necessarily really sure who was gonna show up and you know, what some contract issues were here and there. You know, everybody goes through that. You know, it just so happened that the Philadelphia Wings were one of the organizations that were highlighted with you know, some of the big time, you know, American names, you know, we're going to sit the year out, this and that. But I got to tell you, the guys that came to camp this year and the free agents that we picked up and the veteran leadership that we were able to bring in alongside Brody Merrill, you throw in guys like Wardo and Tracy Kolofsky, guys who have, you know, been able to put some, some big time careers together, having their voice in our dressing room and, uh, and really helping along our young guys. I got to tell you, this Philadelphia Wings group is a, is a, is a proud group to be a part of, and um, it's it's literally it's it, it's special. And I think we're starting to figure that out. And uh, coming off that coming off that mini weekend, you know, home and home, you know, I think this group is really starting to get pretty close. You know, it's funny looking back to, and you know, I guess it's about three months ago now, looking at camp and how far we've come as a group has been, you know, pretty awesome to be a part of. And believe me, we're just getting started. You know, Chris, it's funny you talk about that. You talk about team chemistry. It's I think I speak for everyone, at least uh, around the city of Philadelphia, and I, I guess across the NLL as well, when I say we're all really impressed and I guess surprised when you guys came out and started the season against Buffalo about how much chemistry this team really had. I mean, you had all these new players, some veterans, had all the rookies on defense, and even a goaltender who's new to Philadelphia. Chris, were you surprised how fast this team has come together, or was that something that you saw right away, maybe even in camp, saying, hey, we've got a special group of guys here? You know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, you can never really forecast, you know, going into camp, you know, who's going to step up, who are going to be our go-to guys. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate that again, just, you know, the veteran leadership, you know, the years of experience, you know, even summer championships with the guys that we have on this team really carries a lot of weight with our young guys. And, you know, we've got Blaine leading the way. We've got Millie taking care of the L and Thomas Hack, who I've learned so much from in two years, um, you know, from a player personnel point of view and breaking guys down. And, you know, we're really lucky that we have, you know, from a coaching staff, guys who have, who have been through the ringer. You know, look at Blaine as a part of the New York coaching staff, and he really built something there with the Titans, and I was proud to be a part of that. And have him, you know, being the boss now and, and watching him do his thing and have his insight is, is pretty wild. Looking back, you know, three literally three months into it, um, you know, where we are right now at two and three, do I wish we could be on, on the plus side and that win lost column? Sure, but I'm betting on the wings for sure. And I'm right there with you, Chris. I couldn't agree more. We're talking with Wings assistant coach Chris Collins. Wings hosting the Vancouver Stealth. I almost want to say the Washington Stealth. Can't say that anymore. The Wings and the Stealth will be at home. Game time at 730 on Saturday night. We want to see you at the Wells Fargo Center. Get your tickets at wingslax.com and 
If you can't make it out to the game, you can always watch the game. I'll have the call for you on the lacrosse network. Chris, a couple more questions for you. We had talked before the interview today about Evan Kirk. Certainly, I think the goaltending situation is much more different than anybody had expected it to be coming into the season because the Wings had Brandon Miller under contract and then Evan Kirk comes in as well. We were maybe expecting that one-two back-and-forth punch that we saw those two have up in Six Nations with Major Series Lacrosse where they won the Man Cup. Now we've got Evan and we've got the youngster Don Alton who's only seen a very little bit of playing time. Talk for a second, if you would, about the journey those two have had this season. Now, obviously, Evan got off to the shaky start after the opening win. He had two rough games against Rochester and then again the following day at the Wells Fargo Center against Buffalo, but he seemed to really rebound and played his heart out last week in, in the home and homes against Minnesota. Talk about the journey he's had, and then also what do you see out of the youngster and Don Alton? Well, you, you look at this goaltending group. Um, you know, it's it's an honor to be alongside to be alongside Kirky. Uh, you know, having so many opportunities to play, play against him, uh, it's really nice to be on the same side as him. You know, an excellent leader, great student of the game. Um, you know, and the fact that you know coming off a big time summer. He's a pleasure to work with. Uh, he's a great guy in the dressing room. Really gets the guys going, and you know he's he's had an awesome start. I mean, if you look at you know this part of our year, um, you know he's the reason why we are where we are, and it gives him a lot of credit um, for not paying attention to the post and the media and everything that's going on with uh, with with B. Miller, who's not with us, and. Um, and that's no knock on anything. I have the most, I have the utmost respect for Brandon. He took such good care of me as an American goaltender. Um, really, just as a teammate standpoint, and his play, his performance on the floor spoke for himself. But um, but here we are, you know, backing up Kirky. Um, you know, you got Dong, an excellent young goaltender. Um, so you know that pair right there is uh, is something to go to battle with. And you know, I enjoyed being alongside those alongside those guys and working with those guys and. Uh, you know, here we are about to get into February and, you know, slowly starting to figure it out. And like I said before, and believe me, I'll say it again, it's a special group to be a part of. So hopefully we can keep that going. Well, we hope you can keep it going too. Chris, last question for you. The Wings are going to be hosting the Vancouver Stealth, as we just mentioned, this Saturday at 7.30 at the Wells Fargo Center. And Vancouver is a team that has a lot of pieces on offense that can do a lot of damage. Reese Dutch is obviously the big name on that squad who's done quite a bit of damage in recent years to the Philadelphia Wings. Just talk for a minute, about, if you would, about what kind of challenge you think Vancouver possesses for the Wings and how you're going to be able to combat that. What do you think the Wings are going to bring to the table? Well, hey, I tell you, you know, Vancouver is a great squad, um, you know, coming off the Championship Cup, you know, um, you know not too long ago and, and having a good foundation offensively, you know, Ratcliffe and Dutchie and, you know, you know those two guys can, can fill up the back of the net. So believe me, we got our work cut out for us Saturday night at home. Um, but looking forward to getting back to work and, and doing our best to uh, to even up at 3-3 three and three for sure. Well, Chris, thanks so much for taking some time here with us here on Wings All Access. It's Philadelphia Wings assistant coach Chris Collins, Wings in the Stealth, this Saturday night at 7.30. And, Chris, always a pleasure to talk to you and come back and visit us anytime. Dave, any, anything for you, believe me. Like I said, uh, you know, love what you do for the game. More importantly, love what you do for us on the Philadelphia Wings. Oh, well, thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate that. And thanks for everything you're doing to help spread the game of lacrosse in Philadelphia. It's Wings assistant coach. Chris Collins live on the Wings All Access Hotline. I love what he's talking about as far as the energy around the city. When Chris goes out, people know the Wings, and it's certainly for a lot of kids in the Philadelphia area, there are opportunities to play lacrosse and to even learn box lacrosse now that did not exist 20 years ago. You know, when I was a young kid, I, I was ex first exposed to lacrosse because of the Wings. There were no, I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and unless you went to a very expensive private school, the opportunities to play lacrosse just were not there. And because of the opportunities that the Wings have helped to create along with other organizations, you're seeing lacrosse on the field side and also on the box side. You're seeing many more opportunities for kids to get out there, get a lacrosse stick in their hand and really learn why this is the fastest game on two feet and why I love it and so many people love it as well. So thank you so much, Chris. We appreciate all you're doing for the Philadelphia Wings. All right, fans, so that is Chris Collins, and we'll be having more interviews every week now, and thank you so much to Brian McIntyre and everyone over at the Wings office for their help in getting that done. Fans, before we get to this week's picks, let's uh, take a quick look around the NLL and give you an idea of what's been going on. As we mentioned, there wasn't a lot going on last week. There were only three games going on in the NLL last week, but they were all very exciting matchups for completely different reasons. Uh, first, we go up to Buffalo, where 
Buffalo was hosting the then undefeated Rochester Nighthawks. And I say then because Buffalo had established a huge lead. It was 11 to 5 late in that game until Rochester comes back and gives everyone in First Niagara Center a near heart attack. Again, we mentioned 11 5 Buffalo late in that game uh, with four min- under four minutes to play. But they ended up scoring, uh, they go 7-1 and one in the fourth quarter, and they score five goals in a period of three minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, Kehoe gets one, McCready uh, gets two, Palace and Walters, and it goes from 11-5 to five to 11-10. Buffalo is finally able to hang on, and they move into first place in the Eastern Division with that 11-10 victory, uh, sending Rochester off to their first defeat of the season. Over in uh, the Saddle Dome, it was the Colorado Mammoth and the Calgary Roughnecks. That one also a one-goal game, a very exciting matchup as well. Uh, Curtis Dixon for Calgary really has been struggling on the season, has only gotten a few goals. He gets three points of this one, two and one, but it certainly has not been the season we were expecting to see out of Superman up in Calgary. And another very exciting matchup. Poulin ends up uh, getting pulled for Calgary late in the game. They put in. Frankie Sigliano, and he ends up uh, getting a couple saves late. But that one goes to overtime, and John Grant Jr. goes behind the back through traffic and is able to stuff it into the back of the net at 2.09 to overtime. And Colorado gets the big win, 14-13, to their second win on the season. We'll talk more about them in just a second here in the fix, as uh, Colorado is looking ever, ever the more dangerous as the season moves along. Finally, we move up into the Langley Event Center as it's the Edmonton Rush and the Vancouver Stealth. Boy, what an amazing game this was. Uh, another good one as uh, Edmonton moves undefeated so far still here as they win 9-8 to over the Vancouver Stealth. Uh, a big Vancouver Stealth run, however, it was 7-2 to at halftime. In the third and fourth, however, it is all Edmonton. Edmonton goes on a 7-0 run. They come back from a 7-2 deficit they take a 9-7 lead. Reese Dutch gets one to try and claw back and make it 9-8. But it was such huge swings. The first, Again, the first half, all Vancouver. The second half, all Edmonton. And they're able to squeak out and stay undefeated at 9-8. All right, everybody. It's time. I, I can't hide anymore. I am determined to make a comeback in the fix. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the picks. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. So let's go ahead and get to it. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know where we are. I just know I'm at a hole to John Barchard here. And the book he's been knocking at the door, with, you know, asking for the cheese. It's going to miss the walls. I believe you. Uh, I believe you owe me something. I'm trying. I'm trying not to return those messages. So what we're doing now, and uh, John has agreed to this. I have it in text. I'll have it write it in blood. We will uh, figure. We will. Uh, he is committed to this. Uh, one one thing we're going to do to make the picks a little bit more exciting, not just John and I competing against each other, but each week we have an opportunity for the power pick. Yes, yeah, so let me explain to what that is. John and I, of course, uh, pick each game. We do not pre-pick them. In fact, John is as I speak just now texting them into me but in addition if we feeling maybe a little extra cocky on our pick you know what you know what john i i think there's no way in heck this pick loses we can make that pick worth double the cheese it so instead of one point you get two points of course if you lose you go down two as well so you can either uh, rack up those cheese it's fast or you can go back into the hole fast so let's see what happens everybody first game we've got five big ways to win big here in week number six here we go we start off with a friday night matchup this should be a dandy as it's the vancouver stealth heading over to the air canada center to face the toronto rock we start with john barcher and his pick in this one he says vancouver is a little bit too inconsistent offensively to ride here in this matchup and going into Air Canada Center, he thinks the Rock should be able to hold home field and take that one 11-9. I will go ahead and make my pick, and I agree with John for the exact same reasons here. Vancouver is a team that has the firepower. Reese Dutch is having the season I think we all thought he would have, you know, just going off at will. But the rest of the pieces around him, with the exception of maybe Tyler Digby, have not chipped in enough. Vancouver has spent most of their games not even entering into double digits. 
heading into the Air Canada Centre. I don't see Vancouver being able to take this one at least early in the season. I will say this is a 12-9 Toronto win. So John and I virtually identical on this one. He takes the Rock uh, 11-9, and I take it 12-9. That's the only Friday night game we have, so we move into the Saturday schedule where we have four big games all stacked up. It is an NLL fan's dream. First of all, uh, two games at, on the East Coast at 7.30, including the Wings, which will pick last, and then two games late out on the West Coast. Let's start with the other 7.30 matchup. 7.30 at, at First Niagara Center. Toronto comes uh, off their Friday night game, and they make the trip just to the other side of the border, and they face the Red Hot Buffalo Bandits. I will go ahead and take the lead on this one first. Anthony Cosmo has rebounded very, very well over a subpar 2013 campaign. And I'm the first one to admit coming into the season, I was surprised that Buffalo didn't maybe look around a little bit more to see what goaltending options weren't available out there because I thought Cosmo had maybe gone past his prime. He certainly hasn't been to this uh, coming into the season. Certainly been the answer in Buffalo, but he is right now uh, leading most uh, goaltending categories in the National Lacrosse League. So uh, big props to Steve Dietrich uh, in Buffalo for knowing what he had in Anthony Cosmo and, of course, to Cosmo himself for doing a great job, especially rebounding off that early Philadelphia loss. In this game, I think Toronto's going to go ahead and give them a heck of a ride. I but with a rejuvenated John Tavares, who's been uh, scoring like he's 20 years younger, and that Buffalo offense starting to click a little bit more, I'm going to say Buffalo will take this one at home. It's going to be a good shootout, though. I'm going to say 13-12. to 12. It's going to be the Bandits taking it over the Toronto Rock, 13-12. to 12. Moving to John Barcher. Let's take a look here. And, ooh, John and I agree again. He, again, thinks Buffalo's offense Clicking on more cylinders here, and he takes it 14 to 10 over Toronto. Wow, 14 to 10 for JB, even though we agree he sees more separation there. And I don't know about that. I think this week's going to be a defining week for the early portion of the season for Toronto. Billy and Vancouver play at 7.30. We'll pick that last. Moving to the late games at 9 o'clock Eastern time out at Pepsi Center. It is the Minnesota Swarm against the Colorado Mammoth. Colorado uh, is again hosting this one. So we move to John for his picks. And he thinks Colorado showed some heart in that 14-13 win against Calgary. And he thinks that's going to be the turning point. He easily picks this one 12-9 over the Minnesota Swarm. 12-9 Colorado, uh, says John over Minnesota. I will go ahead and make my pick here, and I completely agree. And I know I said a week or two ago, I can't keep picking Colorado, Colorado anymore. They keep burning me. But two big things have happened. Number one, Ethan Iannucci was signed as a free agent by Colorado. And, of course, last week, he was just basically told he didn't have time to really run plays with his teammates. He was just told, go out there and make some noise happen. And even though he didn't do a lot on the scoreboard, he was still able to be out there and do a great job. So that's a big piece, of course. And now Casey Powell has also announced he will be making his season debut. He had taken the early portion of the season off uh, due to personal reasons, and nobody really knew what that was, so we didn't know when to expect him. But now you've got John Grant, Ethan Iannucci, and Casey Powell all in the field at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say this is a blowout win for Colorado. Uh, and especially at home, I will make this one a 14-8 to win over the Minnesota Swarm. And again, it all depends which Tyler Carlson which come, that comes out. It all, all depends on whether or not they have to put Higgins back in the net. You have to pull Carlson two straight games. And Higgins had one good game and one not-so-good game. So I don't know that you really know what you have there in Minnesota in net. So we'll be really interested to see how that develops. But both John and I, so far it's kind of boring. We're all agreeing with each other. I'm sure that's going to change here in a minute because we go 9 p.m. at Rexall Place. This is the game of the week. I think both John and I agree on this one as Rochester goes up to face Edmonton. Rochester getting their first loss last week against Buffalo. Edmonton, the only undefeated team left in the NLL and they now hold home court advantage. I go first on this one. And Edmonton has such a good offense that it's clicking on all cylinders. And I think they're doing it more as a team. And Mark Matthews is, of course, in his second year in the league, is a beast. And everybody knows that. But we've seen Aaron Bold respond nicely. He had a bit of a uh, an off second half of last year. And he comes off again this year. And now he's showing again 
how much of a beast he is in the net. That defense is clicking at all cylinders. And again, with the offense consistently putting up points, granted, they only put up nine last week. I'm well aware of that. But Edmonton has made some teams look silly this year. And Rochester always does just enough to win, but they don't blow teams out. I think Edmonton's going to jump on that. And we honestly could be looking at an NLL Finals preview here. I'm going to take the rush, taking home field, and I'm just going to say they're going to take a 10-9 victory. It's a one-goal matchup, but I've got Edmonton taking this one 10-9. Moving to John Barchard and his pick on the game. And for the first time this week, John lays the Cheez-Its on the line. He's got Rochester over Edmonton, and he says Rochester takes it 9-7 to on the road out west. And he thinks the Rochester Nighthawks are going to be able to take this one. I think the key for Edmonton in this one is to be able to create multiple scoring opportunities. If you look at Matt Vince's stats, of course Matt Vince is a beast. Everybody knows that in net. However, the one thing Buffalo always does very excuse me, the one thing Rochester always does very well, I should say, is they prevent teams from getting second and third chance opportunities. They keep players on all teams, not just Philadelphia. I know it seems like it, but they keep teams to one shot and they keep a lot of the shots to the outside. When Matt Vince is able to see a shot, he's able to usually save it, and the team either picks up the rebound or Vince is able to clear it himself. That's Rochester's key on defense. They stack up the box very tightly inside, and you're going to have to work very hard to get inside on Matt Vince. This Edmonton team, however, I believe has the power to do it. So John and I differ. We're going to go to war on this one. He picks the Kayhawks, and I pick the Rush. Finally, fans, we are moving back into the Wells Fargo Center as the Vancouver Stealth travels to philadelphia to face your wings i'll have the call for you right here on the lacrosse network the start time for that battle is 7 30 but we want to see you in the stands we need more wings army people in the stands and i gotta rain on this one right in the middle of the picks real quick i'm seeing a lot of people online complaining about the start times to games and oh why did we have a 12 noon start time why did we do this and that well guess what folks we we, we play in a building that also has the flyers the sixers concerts other things it's not like the wings are the only thing in town. Now, granted, we love the wings and we we want it to be packed every night. But you know what? If you're a fan, I understand if you can't make a game here or there. But too many fans right now are being too negative. Okay? Get behind this team. That's what it means to be a fan. You go to the stadium and you buy the ticket and you support the team. If you don't like what's going on, then you can boo. That's what makes Philadelphia great. But in order to be able to do it fully, you still have to support the team, okay? I can think of many Phillies games I've gone to and I've bought my ticket and I've booed for nine innings, okay? But you know what? I paid my ticket and I earned that right. Earn your right to go there and make your voice heard at the Wings game this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, that said, we want you cheering for the Wings as well, but sometimes these games can go so back and forth. All right, back to the picks real quick. Had to squeeze that in there. Sorry, everybody. So, uh, 7.30 p.m. start time for the Stealth versus the Wings. I'm going to ask John to go first and make his pick here, and he thinks Philly really showed what kind of team they have last week. He said that coming into last week, you know, again, they lost the decision against minnesota at home you know the referee admittedly blew the call and he said philadelphia came out with some attitude in the in the following game and john said if they come out with that kind of attitude against vancouver there's no way they lose this game he says philly wins it 13 to 11 13 to 11 is going to be the score with the wings and the stealth all right i will go ahead and make my pick here and Vancouver, uh, in their incarnation uh, last season, Washington last year got off to a so-so start. Uh, in fact, two years ago, they got off to a terrible start. That was the year they missed the playoffs altogether. But Reese Dutch has always burned the wings. He's always done a good job of getting multiple goals against the wings. However, despite his best efforts, I don't think it's going to be enough. I say Philly takes this one in the Wells Fargo Center because of the offensive firepower Philadelphia has. Vancouver has not established enough. Uh, how should I say this? Uh, they, I haven't seen enough evidence, I guess is the best way to say it, out of Vancouver that they have the ability to score goals consistently. They've had goal totals, majority of them, again, again been t- under 10 goals. Rarely have they gone into double digits. I think they will get into double digits this game, but... 
I don't think it's going to be enough. Tyler Richards, while he's been having a good season, has not been having a great season. Yes, he had a highlight reel save last week, but I think Philadelphia is going to come out and they want to win one in front of the home fans. I mean, that's something that, you know, Tracy Kaluski had especially talked about in the conference, uh, the postgame conference two weeks ago. I said, oh, Tracy, you're having a pretty good season so far. And he said, you know what? I don't care about my stats. All I cared about was coming in here and helping this team win. We weren't able to pull it off for the fans tonight, and that disappoints me, and that's something I want to do. How can you not root for a player who has that kind of attitude? That's the team I think is going to be able to take this one, as I think they have too much offensive firepower. And I say Philadelphia is going to take this one by a score of 13-10. to 13-10, Philadelphia takes it over the Vancouver Stealth. Now, real quick, before we wrap this up, I had mentioned uh, that there is a way for me to get back into this cheese at battles already in January. I have a pretty hefty deficit. We mentioned uh, the power pick each week. Both John and myself have the ability, and you don't have to take it, but I think we're both going to do so this week. We have the ability to make one of our picks the power pick and make it worth double the cheese. It's John Barchard says, I feel so good about this wings team that that will be my power pick. If Philadelphia wins, Two Cheez-Its to John Barchard. And as for myself, I'm looking down the lineup this week. And yeah, you know what? The Philadelphia pick would be a great pick. But I I am going to make my power pick. The Toronto Rock going up and and at home field, at Air Canada Center. A 12-9 victory over Vancouver. And I think Vancouver is going to be stunned from that, and they're not going to be able to rebound for Saturday's game. I pick, I'm riding, I'm putting the Cheez-Its on for the Toronto Rock, doubling down, and hopefully if they win, that will increase my Cheez-It rate just a little bit, and it will help me claw back. You can follow our picks on our Twitter account, at Wings All Access, and use the hashtag Cheez-Its. Well, that does it here for Wings All Access here as we're getting ready to enter the first week of February. Hey, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this show. Whether you're listening on NLL.com slash radio, we want to say hi to Jeff and Doug and everybody else over at the league office. And thank you so much for their help in getting this on the air. And to you, the fan, we can't do it without you as well. Please let us know your picks and interact with us at Wings All Access or on my Twitter at Dave Walls. Of course, you tweet me during the game. I might read it on the broadcast as well, so that'll be fun. And of course, for my producer, at John Barcher. And again, a big thank you to those of you who are subscribing on iTunes. If you're doing so, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That actually goes a long way into not only getting the show, but the league as a whole visibility. We would appreciate you doing that. And if you're listening on Stitcher Radio, please comment as well and help get the show some exposure there as well. Again, the Wings hosting the Vancouver South Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. at the Wells Fargo Center. Get your tickets at wingslax.com. Or if you can't make it to the game, then tune in to the Lacrosse Network online, and we'll have that one for you live. For everybody at the National Lacrosse League and for my producer, John Barchard, I'm Dave Wall saying thanks so much for listening to this episode of Wings All Access. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week. So long, everybody. You've been listening to Wings All Access right here on NLL.com.